Welcome to the Toffee Blues, your source for all things Everton. And welcome to another show where the format is going to be slightly different this week. For our first two segments, I'll be joined by Teddy to do our two weekly player performance reviews before later being joined by Owen Parks to discuss the unfortunate Yeti Mina injury news. Then we're going to finish with a quiz with a bit of a twist. It'll be a lightning round as we get to know one of our guests, Owen, a little bit better. And that'll round off our show tonight. Well, first of all, of course, we are going to welcome Terry for our player performance review segment. This shows on last season's player of the season, our left back, Luca Dean. Terry, what have you made of Luca Dean's second season at Everton? It was always going to be difficult to live up to the standards of performance that we come to expect from him last year. How do you think he's done? I, th- I think he's done well. I mean, I know a common, a common consensus is that he's not done as well as last season. He's dipped a little bit, but I don't particularly think that's true. I think he's been as effective and as you know crucial to the team this season as he has last. I just think the thing with last season was he was a brand new player. It was you know it was so fresh to the team, and and this year I think I think he's been you know if not as good, close to being as good as he was. It's just now you're a little bit more used to him, and you know he's still this key, he's still one of the key elements of the team. But most of our Best attack and play comes from his overlaps on the left hand side. Uh, I know his, you know, his his numbers won't be as good for you know assists and goals, but I think his chance creation and his forward passing and all all that would would I mean I I would hazard I put a lot of money on the idea on it being the same or similar numbers because he's so crucial to the team. I think he you know he's one of our top three most important players because everything that happens down the left hand side comes from him as crossing. Is um his free kicks from that angle from a left footed free kick taker, everything from that sort of dimension of the team is Luca Dean's territory. And I think I actually I've got to say I think he's done well this season. He's he's just not got the hype of last season because now he's a little bit more settled in and he's part of the furniture of the club. So a lot I've heard from a lot of fans that they think his performances have tailed off, but you don't agree with that now. No, I mean I don't. I wouldn't go so far as say like he's been you know fantastic, brilliant, he's been better than last season and anything like that. But I don't think there's been as much of a drop off as a lot of people would suggest. I think he's he's may have you know dipped a little bit when the team has dipped possibly. Like I don't think it's anything to do with him specifically, but I do still think he's he's performing to a high level. We're just now a little bit more accustomed to it, and and I definitely think he's one of the most crucial players in the whole squad. Um, but yeah, I just don't. No, I don't. To answer your question more succinctly, I don't think he's tipped off as much as people say. Uh, I think that, that's a really good point to make because it is easier, and we know as Everton fans, we know what we're like. Sometimes we can't wait to bash players. Sometimes, but I think Luca Dean's a real fan's favourite, isn't he? I think he's one of the ones like, like you say, he is one of the best players in the squad and. At a time where we seem to be needed to strengthen a lot of the first team positions, it, he's certainly not one of them. No, definitely not. I mean, he, he had one of the hardest jobs at the club when he came in. You know, he, he come from Barcelona and he was going to replace Leighton Bange and like another fan favourite, a long term fan favourite, you know, local lad, the best um, left back, I think, in Premier League history, including Ashley Cole. Um, 
and Dean came in and he stood up to that. And I think he, he's he's had good times where he's put, you know he's he's tipped off a little bit, but not for a consistent long stretch of performances. I think any bad you know performances for Dean have been one offs and they've been very few and far between. I just think he's his attack and play especially is just so vital to the team. Everything down that left hand side is just central. To, it's it's centered on him. And he has he's continued to have an impact. I can recall on a number of occasions a few assists that he's chipped in with. I mean, I know there, there have been a few downsides this season. Obviously, I think everyone remembers like the own goal against Brighton and stuff like that, don't they? So I'm not sure whether that might skew opinion a little bit. I mean, it'd be it's unsurprising if it does. But I can remember his cross for a Charleston against Wolves and you know little bits of skill that. You know, things that only he could produce, if you'd ask me, from those kind of areas of the pitch. Yeah, I mean, the own goal's not his fault. He's attacking the ball to try and clear it after the breakaway. He's just really unlucky there. But I don't know. I mean, Luca Dean, I think, is a big part of the, the club's future. I think he I think he loves the club. I think he, he loves the Everton supporters. And I think he's one of these, you know what I'd call the pillars of the team, where you've got to get them. I mean, in some instances, it'd be locked down on a, on a big, long contract, or, or if it's not necessary, just build around them, build by players that suit and accommodate them to bring out the best in their game, because they're so important. Richarlison would be another one. Dean and Richarlison, I think, are, are two players who are so crucial to the club. And I'll just stand, you know, stand head and shoulders above the rest of the squad. And I know people might think that's a little bit, you know, a little bit too much for a player like Dean. I don't think anyone would argue with Richarlison. But for me, Luca Dean's in that bracket with Richarlison for he is that important. Well, I think like I mean, like you said before, Richarlison's the one who gets you the goals, but he's getting a lot of it through the service from Luca Dean. Mm. I just think we need to that when it comes to the transfer window, that'll be the the main, I think, focus will be, you know, someone who can, in an attacking sense at least, there'll be someone who can lighten the load. I don't think goal scorers will be the main thing. It'll be goal creators because we the, we've got two players at the minute who, who, you know, score most of the goals, which is um, Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison. Prior to that, it was Richarlison and Sigurdsson. There's always been a court, like two goal scorers and never just relying on one, like back in the Lukaku days. But goal creators... It's pretty much all Luca Dean. You get the odd one, you know, chip in assist with you know from other players here and there, but it's consistently Luca Dean for chance creation. Certainly, and I think that's the one concern we will have, and we'll move on to those players later down the line when we do a few other player reviews. But we do need to see more contributions from other areas to maybe take the load off Luca Dean, like you say. Hmm. I think so. I mean, he's got Leighton Baines as understudy, and I don't think um, you can ask for anyone better than that. You know, experienced, similar, you know, profile of player in terms of ability. You know, going forwards can produce with his left foot, just a little bit older and not as quick anymore. So he's got his, you know, his position in the team is pretty solid. Luca Dean, he's not going to be. He's he knows that he's got to keep his uh, performances to a high level because there's a quality player underneath him. But he also knows that it's an older player, so he's not, you know, going to get, you know, shifted out the the club at any time soon because he's seen as the main man. But yeah, I love Luca Dean. He's one of my absolute favourite players. I um, I hope we see him for many years more. Oh, certainly. I think we can all agree with that. I think as the impact he's had on the club in the 
year and two thirds, three quarters how far are we through this sort of season, whatever you want to call a season? Close enough. I mean we're doing the reviews now because the season as a in the traditional sense is over. We're just gonna review the mini season separately. Yeah. Well that's it, it's like just an excuse to um they'll talk about Everton more, so why the hell not? But um yeah, so Luca Dean, like obviously a year and three quarters, he's made a massive impact since he came in, hasn't he? So yeah. as far as we at the time, you know, twenty million is not a lot of, I mean, might that might change when lockdown's over, but at that time twenty million was a snap for a player like Luca Dean and see the quality that he brought in, we've definitely got a good return on that investment and like you say, I can't see many fans turning the nose up at him. It'd take a pretty pessimistic, and I know there's a few of them, but it takes someone pretty pessimistic to not want Luca Dean to stick around for the foreseeable future. Yeah, definitely, I agree. The only thing I'd change about him is I'd get him off number 12. It's a terrible squad number. Get him a yeah. better squad number. It's okay what it is, just 12 is awful. Let's give, let's, give him, let's give him the number nine. Oh, no, no. Still a defensive <laughs> Still a defensive number or a, or a, a teen number, like a, I don't know what's available, but um, just not 12. 12's an, uh, a reserve goalkeeper's number, let's be honest. Yeah, but last time we gave someone called Dean the number nine, he scored 60 goals, so. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> that was all you mentioned that for, wasn't it? No, I didn't even think about that until it just came into my head and I thought, oh dear, I've done that. What he's called, he's the new Dixie, isn't he? <laughs> Yeah, I just realised that's my mate's uh, fantasy football team is Dixie Dean. <laughs> well, of course. Right, before we finish up on the Luca Dean segment, uh, we usually go for our score out of 10. What would you go with, Terry? Um, go for 7.5 out of 10. Solid. I don't like doing halves, but I just think 8 would be too much and 7 would be too low, so 7.5. Solid, consistent, decent performer. If the Lockdown hadn't have happened, it may have been higher because although the last game was terrible from everyone all round, the team had started to really show massive improvements under Ancelotti. Yeah, we'll definitely have to wait and see what happens. I'll, I'll probably go with a seven. I think it's, I think that's what I've saw. I haven't seen maybe the level of last season, in my opinion, but definitely solid at worst for them, Luca Dean, and I think that's what a seven would reflect, so I want to go with that. Yeah, that's fair. So there you have it, guys. Gone for the seven and a seven and a half between the two of us, but let us know what you think, how, how you think Luca Dean's got on this season. We've just done Luca Dean, so now it's time to review his partner in crime on that left flank, our little Brazilian wing wizard, Bernard. Been an interesting season for Bernard, I think. We've seen a change of coach, of course, spells in and out of the team, a few injuries. Not the most consistent of seasons, but I think we've saw a few more glimpses of magic from Bernard this year than we did last. I still think he's very much, maybe after Richarlison, the player who gets the fans out of the seats. Yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely the most skillful player on the ball, I'd say. Whether he's the most impactful you know, probably not. You know, you get other players who score more goals, make more assists than him. But in terms of play on the ball, you know, like helping his other teammates, you know, creating chances, making things happen, all the cliches. Um, 
he's fantastic. I, he's another one, as I said in the previous segment, I love Luca Dean. I absolutely love Bernard. For my money, he'd be starting every game that he's fit on that left-hand side. I'd have that left-hand side. I'd Soul up like that. Yeah, you know, you absolutely boxed off not to worry about because one of you know Bernard gets criticised for not you know chipping in with the assists and the goals, but I think his his greatest contribution to the team is how much he helps Luca Dean. He's, you know, Luca Dean is is the most effective um, when he's with Bernard compared to a Wobie or and certainly with Sigurdsson when he's on the left because Bernard. And facilitates Luca Dean's game. He works hard, you know, puts this puts the work rate into the fence alongside him as well. And yeah, it's true. He, you know, he should, you know, with the skill he's got, he can score more goals, get more assists. But he's, you know, he's often a lot of players like this. I think, but I think it's a lazy comparison because everyone does it. But I think Pinar was similar in the sense of he's often the pass before the assist. Bernard, he like he he, he gets the ball rolling, he gets the gets the, the passage of play set up properly and then someone makes an assist and then a goal and he won't get the credit for it. But I do worry though, I don't know whether Ancelotti fancies him. You know, he's he sort of the fact that Bernard Bernard's been fit at times and he's played Luca in excuse me, Gilfy Sigurdsson on that left hand side when I mean Carlo Ancelotti is one of the world's best ever managers, but I just don't see what he sees in Sigurdsson over Bernard. I think Bernard went fit. In that sort of inverted like levels levels above Sigurdsson. Yeah, in that in that like specialist left hand side slash number ten slash number eight position that we use where he tucks in and goes central and you have Luke he's, I think he's head. perfectly suited to that role. Yeah, I mean Wobi is the same, but um, I you know Wobi offers one thing and Menard offers another, and I, I, for my money, I just I I prefer Menard. I think he's the most skillful. I think he's the most creative, and He's just, he's just fantastic. I just, he's I, I, a really enjoyable player to watch, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I think we play better with him. I don't like him on the right hand side. I don't think it suits him at all. He's done that occasionally um, since he's been here, and he's not really done it much in his career. I just, I just wish he scored more and got more assists because it just get a lot of the pressure off his back. No one could point any fingers at him if he, you know, he got those big numbers. Even just a couple more here and there, and it is required in the team. But I don't think it's something that can, you know, you know, it's just, it's don't think it's a stick to beat him with. Because, you know, if you're asking me, he'd play every, he'd play every week. That left hand side should be concrete, and until, you know, such a time that injuries or massive drops in form happen. But I don't think I've seen any. There's an interesting thing I think you were talking about. Maybe Ancelotti doesn't fancy him. He certainly doesn't fancy him in away games, which is yeah. interesting. Yeah, it might be his physicality. I don't know. Yeah. Again, Ancelotti knows. You know, he he's forgot more than I know about footy. Let's be honest. But I I I don't understand that personally. I, I know he's small, but he got he works hard and like he puts in as much craft as anyone's offensively. So and I've never seen him bullied per se. There's been a few times where he's had tussles with players. Um, but I never see him like you know just bullies off the ball or or you know ran past defensively or anything like that. Not not you know consistently anyway. So I don't see what the problem is in away games, but it's it's clearly something that Carlos identified and and, and I think wants. obviously the way he plays, I think it is a lot easier to be more impactful in his style of play in a game where we might have more of the ball, which is usually the home games. Yeah, I mean. 
you've got a squad, you pay a lot of money to have, you know, multiple. I mean, we've paid a lot of money to have players we don't even use, but like you, you pay a lot of money to have options in each position. And um, I just, I mean, I'm fine with Bernard, you know, coming in and out of the team, you know, for what the manager wants, but I just don't get playing Sigurdsson over him because, you know, if it's if it's a defensive thing, like Sigurdsson's the least effective player in general, I suppose, not just defensively, but he's a ghost. So I'd, Bernard uh, lying on the floor prone is probably more of a deterrent to opposition attackers than Sigurdsson running is. Well, I think Sigurdsson's only purpose is to cross, I think, and maybe that's why he sticks him on the wing. Or point at other players who we, you know, to give it the ball to instead of him. At least Bernard shows for the ball and wants it. Yeah, there you go. I think just before we end up turning that into a guilty Sigurdsson review. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we've definitely there's definitely more positives than negatives from Bernard, that's for sure. I think I, I think I said this at the start and I I actually think Bernard's been better for us this year than he was last year. I think he's, he's, had, he's, he's had a full pre season, hasn't he? And um, you know, got away from his injury troubles from last season, which didn't hamper him all year, but it slowed him at the start and can't underestimate what a pre season at a club does, especially when it's new. So I, I agree with you there, yeah. I think he's been better this season. I think obviously, I think he only got the one league goal last year, and he scored three so far this season, and all three of them have been good goals. I think the particularly that one against Crystal Palace, I thought was a fantastic goal. I think that's what we want to see more from him. And I think, and that's the only thing he's missing at the moment to make him, like you say, on the level of a Luca Dean or a Richarlison, like in terms of what they were to the team. He's unselfish, isn't he? That's the that's his problem. He doesn't get the goals because he's he's not always trying to get them. He's you know he's got the skill and the ability to score more, but he's just as happy to play someone else in or to you know just help the attack and like move. It, like this first his first goal of the season when he cuts inside after the break, he's just got he's he's only got eyes for goal because he's clearly told by Silva to you know to score more, so he just decides to go for it. And you can see what he's got in his locker. That's definitely it. I think maybe that's... Uh, I'm not sure what the situation is with Ancelotti, of course. It's a bit of a different situation now with the 4-4-2 having two strikers already in the box. Maybe that might reduce his goal output, but I'd like to see a few more assists, certainly. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, all the midfielders will find that the roles change in a 4-4-2, but it might be something that suits him. You know, he, he, Ancelotti hasn't been here very long, and, you know, a lot of players have been in and out the team with, with a little bit of you know, consistency and stability. You might see, you know, everyone settling to their new roles. That especially Bernard, because that that's as I said before, that in that inside left. You know, he likes to have the right hand side be direct and fast, and the inside to be a creative player who tucks in. That's ideal for Bernard more than anyone else. No, he, I think that, that that's me for him that role. Yeah, he should theoretically be the midfielder who who takes to it the most. I think. Yeah, I think oh, I think the real question marks are going to be in the centre of midfield as far as that's concerned. But I think in Bernard and to a lesser extent Alex Obi, I think we've got players who could do that role where without too much adaptation. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I wouldn't be expecting any additions to the team in that position, even if there hadn't been the pandemic and you know the spending was going to be as planned. I thought I, I would have imagined that part of the team was safe as houses for the players who were there because you've also got Anthony Gordon as well who can go in it's the more the other side where you've only got Walcott and potentially Sadibe for that side I wouldn't, wouldn't uh, I mean I'd be very surprised if, if we see Bernard leaving anytime soon 
Well, neither neither of those players you mentioned are actually right midfielders, so that is an important position to strengthen. But with that in mind, I think there's been a few rumours before we finish about Bernard possibly leaving uh, for Rome and among a few others, I think. What's your take on that? Well, I hope not. But um, mm. I'd, I'd, I doubt it. He's, he's a very good player who's on very good wages. So who... Why would we sell him? And who would be able to afford those wages? He's not so good that he'd get in a, a mega team. Otherwise, he'd already be there. Like, you know, the big, big Champions League teams. And the teams who are our level or slightly above probably can't pay the Premier League level wages, which he's on. So I, I wouldn't... I'd be very surprised if he left. I think it's all just paper talk at this point. I think too much of it's paper talk at the moment. I think we're, we could all go a bit dizzy with the kind of speculation we've been seeing in lockdown. But I certainly wouldn't want any of that to come to pass with Bernard. I think as I think we can both agree we'd like to see him stick around a bit longer at Everton. Yeah, I mean, he'd be towards the bottom of my list of players out going, put it that way. Most certainly. I think I like to think the best is still to come from Bernard. He's a proper Everton player. He works hard, he defends, he's humble and he's um he can you know he's got a turn of skill as well. So I, yeah. I him and Richarlison in, in different ways, I think they, they suit the club down to the ground. That, we, we couldn't have we couldn't have Brazilians who don't track back and don't you know put a tackle in. We have to have the hard working ones. But what I will say is that's a fantastic point you've made, though, is the character side of things. I think there's the players Marcel Brands has brought in, a lot of them do seem like a very, very good fit for the club and the characters. And that basically, like you say, I think you can't. Everton fans don't like prima donnas. Mm-hmm. And Bernard's like, certainly not one of them. Don't like players who don't care as well. There's one or two we've had, and one or two we've probably still got. Uh, and they, they're not very popular with fans because the Evertonians see right through it. And I think that's a big part of why Bernard is popular because he works so hard and he, he certainly fights for the badge, which is all Everton fans want. And he's an incredibly likeable character off the field as well. I think, uh, I think you only have to speak to Alan Myers. I think he even said, didn't he, within five minutes of meeting him the first day he signed, uh, he said, he's, this guy's going to be a fan favourite, Alan Myers said. And I mean, he's he's spot on there. I think I think yeah. as a character, he's he's a fantastic little guy to have in the dressing room, and also a fantastic player on the pitch on on his day. Yeah, exactly. I think the only thing he's missing, like we've said a few times, is that obviously the output with a consistency as well. If we if he can perform at his best on a more regular basis, he could become a linchpin of the team. Well, the um the gauntlet's thrown down now he's got a top manager which uh, he didn't have beforehand so it's sink or swim for everyone let's see how he gets on because Ancelotti you know he's he's used to the best so you're gonna he's not gonna he's not gonna have any passengers so Bernard needs to you know make sure he's on that coming along for that journey it'd be great to see him come along for that journey though because he like I say I think he's a player that we all love at Everton and we'd like to see him stick around yeah definitely Right, so finishing off, what was he go for out of ten for Bernard this season? Um, go for a seven. I think he's been consistent. I think he's been better on the goals, and uh, only slightly better. So you know, doesn't bump him up at all. But I'll go for a seven. I'm gonna go with a seven as well. That's a unanimous one there because 
again, it's another one of those. A bit like I said earlier about Luca Dean. I think it's a, he's he's not been outstanding, but he's solid, dependable, and he's one of the, he's one of the more reliable names on the team sheet. The ones who you don't think will let you down more often than not, he doesn't, and he he actually contributes something positive apart from pointing. So, which yeah. is always good. <laughs> can't I can't wait for the Sigurdsson review. Tell me, telling you. It's going to be an absolute. It's going to be an absolute battle of laughs. But there you have, there you have it, guys. At the end of the Bernard review, seven out of ten is a unanimous decision from Teddy and I. Such as Everton's look at the moment. Yeri Mina has become the second player in a week to suffer a serious injury, and as a result, he'll be missing the return of the 1920 season in a few weeks' time, and. Looks like you that he'll miss the whole of the end of the season as well. We're going to discuss what effect that will have on the team. And to discuss that, we're going to welcome back Owen Parks to the show once again. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm doing really well, thanks. Uh, have you been? It's only been about a week or two since I last saw you anyway, but how's everything going? Oh, I'm fine, mate. I feel like things are slowly but surely starting to get back to some sense of normal. Looking forward to the season being back in there. Are you? Absolutely, yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad it's returning to normal for you. I'm still feeling as surreal as ever. If you ask me, Fair enough. it's a bit bizarre. I mean, the footy coming back is always going to be a bit of a boost for everyone, isn't it? So, yeah, bring that on. Obviously, it's three weeks. We just don't want any more injuries between now and then. No, because we've already had two, and obviously, it's like I say, it's not the news we ever want to hear. But this is particularly worrying given the lack of squad depth in the centre-back position, isn't it? Yeah. Out of all the positions, you think if you could say you don't want an injury in this position, I think centre-back would probably be the one you'll choose, mainly due to the fact that we have no depth there. We have three first-team centre-backs and everyone else is just young players out on loan or in the under-23, so it's really unideal. It really is, and of course, like you say, I think a lot of the, the youth players you maybe would need to fill in are Morgan Feeney or Lewis Gibson, they're on loan at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, um, Feeney's contract's up at the end of the season and it won't be renewed. Um, Gibson's out on loan at Fleetwood, so really the only other ones you could really add a push, say, would be Jared Bradwaite. Um, 17-year-old signed from Carlisle in January, been training with the first team, so he might get some minutes off the on the bench. And apart from that, I think I'm not sure if Ryan Astley's a centre back or a right back or a centre back that can play right back or vice versa. I think he can play either, but uh, obviously it's not ideal to have to bring in those kind of unexperienced players. Of course, we have still got two fit. First team centre backs in Mason Holgate and Michael Keane. How do you think that partnership will work out? It'll obviously be the partnership that we start off with. Um, yeah, I, I'm more confident with a Keane and Holgate partner than I would be with a Keane and Mina partnership. Definitely, I mainly. Keane and Mina are both two traditional stoppers in the sense where they go out and meet the ball. And these are, none of them are really adept of covering in behind with pace, recovering in that. Whereas with Holgate, you've got a turn of pace to recover if Keane loses the first ever. And Keane is a traditional stopper who 
has made a career out of winning aerial duels and that. So it's not the worst situation if they didn't get injured. But you would like to think that we would have someone else there. We'll, I think Jared Bramway would be the next one. I don't think I think Abaman would have been, but he obviously is injured too. So, but we're really struggling. It's, it's, it's it's a really difficult predicament to be in because you know this is what the the sort of layoff that we've had for the season due to lockdown the last like two three months is was supposed to be our opportunity to get players back to full fitness and if anything it's we're going into it in a worse position than we started it. Yeah, injury wise, yeah. Um I think Schneiderman has just got injured before we'd finished, hadn't he? Um can't remember. Yeah. Coleman had not well, didn't he? Yeah, Coleman was missing. Yeah, and Schneiderman. So I'm not sure where Delph was and that probably injured. He's always injured. <laughs> but I I just feel like as we we're coming back. I feel like we're starting off from a slightly weaker position, but well, I feel like we're in a strong position in the league in the sense that we've got nothing to worry about with relegation. That we could pro- possibly throw a Jared Brantwaite in it, towards the end if Michael Keane's not pulling it to see how he kind of gets on because he, there's good reviews about him from his time at Carlisle. He started to start started to start games there. So I feel now maybe he could be someone who's the fair choice centre-back as opposed to putting Kuka Martina on the bench who hasn't got a long-term future or everything. That's a definitely a good point. We definitely need to be encouraging more game time for kids rather than putting Deadwood on the sub-bench, which is a very, very good point. But of course, the, the issue we have got is, like we say, there is a lot of Deadwood and I worry about the lack of fans in the stadium, I worry about this team's professionalism sometimes. I don't know whether these players will struggle without fans to will them on. I don't know whether they have the professional desire and will to win in them to push themselves. Mm. And that concerns me a bit. Yeah, I understand what you mean because we've seen it at times ourselves this season. Although to us as fans, the third round of the FA Cup and a Merseyside derby is a pretty big game. Is it to Morgan Schneider, who's really his only concern for Everton is to do enough to stay in the league? Is it for Gilfie Sigurdsson? Probably not. So, in that kind of atmosphere where it's slightly less risk-free than a Premier League home game to Newcastle, they kind of down tools then. So, you would think that, naturally, in nine games to go in a season where we have nothing really to play for, how will they? How will they sort of cope with that? How do, they, how, do they, how do they motivate themselves when they couldn't motivate themselves for a Merseyside derby? Yeah, that's what I mean. So that's why I've I've been banging the drum to say, bring in not stars, Ellis Sims or Brantwaite or Gordon, but give them time on the bench. Give them, give them five, a chance. If we're two 0 up with five minutes to go at home to. Southampton or Aston Villa in May and not April, and it was supposed to be in May and April, it'll be later on now. Then why can't Ellis Sims and Brantway get five minutes towards the end just to get them ready for next season to see if they're um, capable of playing for everything? With the fact that COVID will likely limit our transfer capabilities in the summer, 
by integrating players, I feel like we might be in a better position long term than if we play Martin and Nias. And I can't think of anyone. Well, maybe that, I think that goes without saying. To be honest, mate, I think you you couldn't put it any better. I think I don't see what the purpose is of playing players like that who never have been and never will be good enough to play at the level we want to be at. And mm-hmm. you might as well try and develop the kids if there's no other option. Like in terms mm-hmm. of the first team players being injured, why not? I mean, it was something that David Moyes did a lot, I think, without without having a choice really. Without without having a choice a lot of the time because we had too small a squad and we had to rely on kids coming through. And that was the making of some of the kids at times. I think we don't actually see a lot of that nowadays because we have a bigger squad and we can afford to bring in players normally. Yeah. So yeah, it, definitely. I was, about, on, I was yeah. about just to say about Moyes, he did exactly the same thing in May every year. He used to give a debut to a, a 16, 17-year-old who probably never ever play again for Everton, but he knew he'd, his level would be higher than someone who, like an Andy van der Meijer. He knew his level would be higher than an Andy van der Meijer. Because he wants to play for Everton, he's got, and he, so we have got desire. We probably, yeah. So we got more out of them games than we probably possibly should have. You think of Jose Baxter; he was never good enough to play for Everton, but he got game time, did well in the limited time he did get because he wanted to play and there was the hunger to do so. Shane Duffy, there'll be other names. Just but, but equally, you talk about your Shane Duffy's and that. I mean. Maybe not quite the level we want to be at now, but those kind of players did come in and do a job like a Jack Rodwell. It was like players like that were decent squad players eventually. So, you know, it's yeah, it's it's better than having a waster like a Schneiderlin or a Delph for sure. Yeah, and another thing that we'll do say if I keep on mentioning Brantwick, but another young player, Dennis Adenaden, let's say. So let's say Dennis Adenair and plays a few games off the bench and he isn't good enough. But but he's been playing Premier League football, so he goes in the shop window to potentially get money for him instead Precisely. of him wasting away in the regime of David Underworth's under twenty three squad. And so instead of him going for free, wasting away in that under twenty three squad, if he plays a few games, albeit he's not at the level, a championship side or a league one side will be willing to pay a fee for him if he's had that experience at the top level. Definitely. I think that's something that you can't understate. I think a lot of top sides have done that. And even if it's not a permanent sale, you get loans out of that as well. I think you see players like, I think Liverpool always seem to do it with their kids in the FA Cup or in the League Cup. And you end up seeing those players going to championship clubs to a lot of the time to Rangers now as well, obviously with Gerrard and, or Celtic or whatever. You get them going to clubs maybe you're just only one or two rungs below in terms of quality. And then that sort of helps them kick on. And I don't think we do that enough. I don't think we market our young players enough for a potential career away from Everton just in case it doesn't work out. No, definitely. We 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 think it's all binary at Everton. So we're... Morgan Feeney has to be an Everton player and we have to grind him down long enough so where he goes on a free. Morgan Feeney, 18 months ago, it was clear enough that he probably wasn't good enough to play first-team football for Everton. 
that at that moment he should have been playing in League Cup games. But he don't do well in the League Cup anyway, playing our first team. So we might as well give some of these 15 minutes at the end, put them in the shop window and you'll get money back for them. Even some of like Jake Spear in Liverpool got money for him. And he's rubbish. Exactly, yeah. That's that enough the point, isn't it? You know, you've got players who... Liverpool know half of those players probably won't cut the mustard. They will in a derby against Morgan Schneiderlin and Sigurdsson because yeah. those players don't give one. Well, that's it. But this is the yeah. point, I think. You need to put those kids in. If we have any more injuries like what we have had with Mina or Gabamin, we need to start putting the kids in in their place as opposed to maybe shifting first-team players out of position to accommodate it or we're still picking the likes of a Schneiderlin or a Sigurdsson. I mean, yeah. there's got to be some kids in the reserves, under-23s, whatever you want to call it, in central midfield who can do a better job than what they've done this season. There's been, they've been an absolute embarrassment, some of them. And I mean, I think you did a few of the player reviews with us, didn't you, last week? Yeah. So yeah. You, 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 you know all too well what we think of uh, some of those players. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of a lot of them either. I'm, I don't actually think any of them, and I'm including in this Andre Gomez, is good enough for a four-four-two. They're not. He they, they isn't defensively good enough to cut shield the back four. But I've had that argument on Twitter before today, so I'm not going into that. But on Mina anyway. Yeah, I'm on Mina anyway. I do worry that Mina keeps on getting these injuries at his age. You normally see with players when they reach thirty, they get. Injuries, he's only what 25, 24. Yeah, he keeps like on injuries. He always looks like he struggles at the end of games as well with cramping. Them. Uh, so, I yeah. do walk. Uh, he always seems to be carrying something at the end of a game. So, I do worry about that going forward, as I do with Gabamon's injuries too. The question is obviously, we've talked about the immediate impact and bringing in maybe Brantwaite or hopefully maybe Keenan Aldate as a pair and might work out. So, you know, that's the immediate plan. But obviously there's there's rumours about centre-backs coming in. What about the, those rumours, Gabriel or Todibo? Or have you had a look at any of those? Do you have an opinion on um, any of those possible signings? I, I, before this injury to Mina and before I actually thought about the fact that he was pulling up at the end of games, I've always been one to think that if... We're limited in our transfer budgets in the summer. I would much rather Everton buy a good quality right back and keep Keane, Mina, and Holgate than assign another centre back, struggle to ship Keane off, and still have the same issues at right back. Um, but I do look at it now and think if we start next season with Keane and Holgate, Mina keeps on getting these injuries. I do worry about our defensive record next season. Gabriel would be. A choice. Um, he's strong, good left. He's a left-footed centre back. He's not slow either. He's good in the air as well. So we'd be one you would look at if we could possibly afford to buy him as your first choice. So Debo's a bit different. I, I think he's a bit rash, to be honest. I thought that too. I've seen him play for Schalke as well the last couple of weeks, and I wasn't impressed. Yeah. No, I wasn't either. I don't. I, it might just be the. Um, that of David Wagner's terrible coaching and that he can't stay in any kind of position. But he yeah. would seem to be very, very rash. He was out on the right midfield at one point. I, I think he would get rings run round him, to be honest. 
Yeah, I think that's a, that's obviously a concern, and I think that the price tag that we've been linked with him, I think that's a potential flop. No. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be happy with that if we did that. I, I, I wouldn't either. Um, I saw an um, an article this week um on Twitter about a few centre backs, and there was a lad from Frankfurt and Dicker. I think he's a good centre back. He's similar to to Mina. Uh, sorry, Zuma. He's a bit quicker. Yeah, is that, is that Evan and Dicker? Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's a good defender. So we could be one we could potentially look at. But another one who was in that article, who I think he's gone under the radar this season because of the terrible defensive record of their team. But Ben Godfrey at Norwich, I was really impressed with him at Goodison this season. Um, he's he's a bit like Mason Holgate in the fact that he can recover. His positioning's not great either, like to Diabo. But if Norwich did get relegated and you got him on a cut price deal, I think he's someone you could develop, young English centre back. It's an, an interesting one. It's not a name that has been thrown around a lot. And I think obviously you've got someone similar to Holgate. I think obviously that'd probably be a backup at the moment, given that he's probably our first choice centre back. Hmm. Yeah, he would be. But he'd be someone you could develop. He was he's at the same stage as what Holgate was this last season. Had a team doing well, but it's not at the top level. He come if he comes to Evan, you might see him develop. I, I think that's always an interesting prospect. I think we, I think as Evan fans, we like to see young players come in and do well. But mm. there's a big emphasis this summer. I think going to be on shifting out some of the deadwood, isn't there? And I think that's going to be crucial to us moving forward in terms of the centre back conundrum. Because if we're focusing on Mina here. How many centre backs do you think we'll have going into next season? Um, with Lewis Gibson coming back, um, so I don't. I, they were, if I say choose Michael Keane or Yerry Mina, people choose Yerry Mina. Mason Holgate's the number one. So I'd say Gibson, Holgate, one of Mina or Keane, and another centre back. So that's how I do it. But I think people would choose Mina over Keane, and that's fine. I just think this, they've got similar flaws and similar strengths, and the fact that neither of them can recover from pace. I think Premier League teams would be more, I don't know, more, I don't know. Teams in mid table, I think, would be more likely to buy Michael Keane. So I think he'd be the one you'd look to ship off. Yeah. And you'd buy an Evan and Dicker or a Gabriel or a Tadiba. To make it for four centre backs with Lewis Gibson and Branthwaite as an insurance policy. I think that's probably the idea. That's probably what Marcel Brands has got in mind. I'd imagine going into next season, but obviously the pressing matter is it'll be Keane and Holgate for the rest of this season, yeah. and with probably Branthwaite as the backup. How can you see the team fair? And obviously we've got Liverpool, which is not ideal first game, but then after that the run of games is potentially winnable. Uh, how do you see those that's a centre back pairing or the team in general to be honest fairing? Um well first of all let's hope we don't play Liverpool or Wembley because it'll be eight nil on that big pitch. Yeah. <laughs> we we've that they're from three we'd have to defend very deep at Wembley if we were playing that. But at Goodison, you don't know <laughs> it's difficult to because you don't know how any team's gonna cope with the with the pressures of no fans being there and how would you 
turn on motivation how do you get late winners when you're not really pushing and you might be happy for a point in games so it's difficult to say the intangible stuff of how Everton are going to cope with that you like the games we have got are very winnable so you look at Southampton they haven't got really anything to play for so you think that's probably a win if you're judging the two teams who are in mid-table Aston Villa you'd think our quality would be way more than theirs and Bournemouth are home so them three you'd say would be probable wins in the fact that with no fans there to push them on our quality should should sell yeah. my, my issue has always been it's not the quality in this team it's the professionalism and the motivation of some of mm. these players players you might think are, aren't interested in anything more than picking up a wage and staying in the Premier League like you say yeah, I understand that, but there's also a reason why Bournemouth and Villa have been struggling is the fact that they haven't had any consistency or confidence over the season. And in the last 10 games, I think Wigan used to always do it. They'd be terrible all season, but in the last 10 games with the fans behind them, they'd find a way to get over the line. If there's no fans there, how do them teams find that extra to get over the line with the quality gap? Uh, so there would be games I'd look at that we could definitely win. Norwich is the same. Uh, I think they're probably planning for life in the championship also. Um, so there'll be the four games I think we should win. But games like Sheffield United and Wolves away, and I don't think we'll get anything from them because they're in a higher position than us and they'll probably want to cement their place in the top six and seven. So I think we'll struggle in them. Spurs the same. I, I think it'll be a case of we win the games you look on paper that Everton should win, like the traditional home games. But even though there's no fans there, but the games where the, there's a bit of a quality gap between us and the team above, I'm not saying Sheffield United have better players than us, they're just in a better position. In that kind of situation, I would say we would probably struggle. But I don't know, it's all the intangible stuff that we don't potentially know. Yeah, it's, like you say, it's going to be a completely different scenario to what we were dealing with before the lockdown. It's going to be a uh, dare to say, use the cliche, unprecedented periods mm. we're going to be going into. Like this kind of end of the season, we're not going to know what we're in for, and it's it's a bit daunting in that respect because we just don't know what to expect, and anything can happen. You know, with the anything can happen in the Premier League anyway. But even now, it's probably even more up in the air, and we'll have to see what happens. But in mm-hmm. terms of the, where can you see Everton finishing before we finish up here? Um, tenth, probably about the same, I'd say. So yeah, it's probably between a, between tenth and twelfth. It's gonna. It, I, I don't think there'll be too much change. I hope. Uh, I'm not. I'll be honest. I'm not very confident going into the return of the season. No, I'm. I think it's just a case of bending the system. I think we. I think we'll be tenth and twelfth with. Um. They all have the top nine as they are, and we'll be fighting out between 10th, 11th, and 12th with Palace and Burnley, <laughs> as probably. much as that sounds. But that's probably where we're at at the moment, especially with the injuries. Yeah, it's kind of depressing to hear that, but obviously, it's the issue is it's not a quality thing, it's a professionalism thing. We need players who care, and I think we need to get rid of some of the dead wood before we can even think about pushing on. Mm, them teams and who were in and around us. We have much better quality than them, but they fight because they're used to 
their system and that and they get better results through it whereas our quality gets us where we are but the Marco Silva thing and that hails us back a bit not just Marco Silva I think there's players you date back before Marco Silva who have been letting this club down the season the results under Marco Silva were pretty bad so that's where the mid-table comes from I think under Carlo would be about fourth fourth or fifth where on his results so it evens out to around mid-table yeah, it's about that's about right to be fair. But yeah, I'd say that'd be the way it's gonna end up. I mean, that's for me it's a case of just get this season over with. It's just that it's a load of dead rubbers, as we've mm-hmm. said, and it's gonna be hard to motivate myself as a fan, as hard as yeah. to motivate the players, you know, that's that's an issue though in its own right. I think the fans are a lot of Everton fans, given that we haven't got anything to play for, it's hard to motivate yourself for a game where there's not going to be any fans and there's nothing to play for. It's, we've seen a few Bundesliga games like that, haven't we? And it's going to be a little bit bizarre. And I mean, I'm sure if we win a couple, I think the fans will suddenly sort of reignite the fire a little bit. But that's on the players to do that. And we've just got to wait and see what they can save up for us. Yeah, I'm, it's not really happening. I'm looking forward to coming back. It's the whole how everyone else does <laughs> That I'm more interested in Everton. I just, I'd rather just kick off next season, go from a fresh than these nine games. But we've got to do them, eh? Yeah, well, that's it. We'll just see how we get on. Uh, we've sort of gone with the mid-table idea, which is probably the most accurate prediction we could go with, given the way the season's gone and how it is. But we're not home. good enough to I don't think. Yeah, well, that's it. I think we're going to burst everyone's bubble if there's anyone out there who thinks we're going to. Get in the top four or something. God knows, but it's not gonna it's not gonna happen. I don't think. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll leave it at that anyway. That's what we think the season's gonna pan out with. Obviously, let us know what you think about the season coming back. Let us know what you think about Yeti Mina's injury and how that might affect the team. And let us know what you think we need to do moving forward in terms of transfers, particularly in the centre back positions. For you lucky podcast listeners, it's of course we're going to finish off with our quiz of sorts. Of course, Owen is becoming a bit more and more familiar as a guest on our shows, and it's time to get to know him a little better. So, we're going to have a lightning round. It's going to be 15 quick fire questions to learn a bit more about Owen. You ready, mate? Yeah, go on. Ready as you'll ever be. <laughs> so, first of all, films, comedy, or action? Comedy or um, action. Fair play. Uh, second, Calvert Lewin or Richarlison? Um, Richarlison. Stuff. Uh, number three, tea or coffee? I don't like either. <laughs> There's always going to be one where you couldn't answer it. Um, if I had to drink one, it would be tea, but. Yeah, no fun. Fair play. Number four, pineapple on pizza, yes or no? No. Oh. Like to differ myself. Uh, number five, favourite TV series? Um, ever. Ever. Yeah, Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. Number six, Leon Osman or Gareth Barry? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> 
Gareth Barry. I think he's put that into wide enough, hasn't he? Yeah, that, that's that's like, oh Christ. <laughs> Your favourite item on a Sunday roast? Um, roast potatoes. Why? Batman or Spider Man? Batman. Nice. Favourite comedy film? Um, just Happy Gilmore count for the golf films. That was quite funny. Yeah, that's a, that counts. That was really funny years ago. I don't know. Fair plays. Still not a bad shout. Favourite cartoon? Oh, hey. Um, going back a bit, Tom and Jerry. Yeah, so I've added in my shout, to be honest, with the Delta. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't get much better than that classic, you know? Years ago, though. In it. Uh, yeah. Are you a dog person or a cat person? Um, cat. Nice. Ronaldo or Messi? Messi. Messi. PS4 or Xbox? PS4. Good shout. Favourite video game? Um, Football Manager. Yeah, see, see. You've come up with some brilliant shouts here apart from the pineapple not going on a pizza. Uh, well, it's just I don't, yeah, I'm not saying it does or doesn't belong, it just don't like it. <laughs> Fair play. At least you're not running around with placards. And we're going to finish off with who's your favourite Everton player of all time? Um, Leighton Baines. I don't think anyone was arguing with that a brilliant way to finish off. So there you have it, there's your 15 quickfire questions. Now you know a bit more about Owen. That was our quiz of sorts. Obviously no winner or loser in this quiz, Owen, is there? So we were going to get get you to pick the song that sees us out tonight at the end of the podcast regardless. So that moment is upon us, Owen. Do you want to tell us what songs you've gone with and do you want to tell us a bit more about that? Um, Stand By Me by Benny King. Oh, brilliant shout. That's a belter of a shout. Any reason behind um, that? I want to tell us a bit about the song. It um, was off the film Stand By Me, and it was probably oh, one of my favourite, probably one of my favourite ever films. So just to get that in there, I would go with that. One of my favourite films and one of my favourite songs. Yeah, but that, I'm not going to argue with either of those. It's a great song and a fantastic film as well. It's one of my favourite films as well. So I think you've gone with an absolutely brilliant shout there, mate, and it's been fitting way to end the show it's been a pleasure having you on and of you course, too mate and of course thank you guys for tuning in as well to the podcast uh, as per Owen's request we're going to finish with Stand By Me by Benny King we'll see you later
Stand by, stand by, stand by. 